times a day do you want to say that to politicians the elite the loony liberals the fake news media and the gender confused emotional socialist snowflake crowd cut the crap is your secret weapon for fighting for our freedoms and our great republic it all begins with a massive mental enema freeing you from the toxic news and politically correct views which constipate your consciousness with stinking thinking your host joe von hutton pulitzer he's known for calling out politicians and telling them to cut the crap you've seen him on virtually every television network and listen to him on coast to coast radio and now he's here to help you learn to fight for america culture race and american politics they all have one thing in common they all need to cut the crap now here's your host joe von hutton pulitzer Hey there, folks. How's it going? Jovan Hutton Pulitzer. Thank you for joining me for Cut the Crap. Of course, you know what the crap is. It's culture, race, and American politics. And I personally believe when you mix culture, race, and American politics, everything typically goes to hell in a handbasket. Now, part of this mix of what's going on in modern times is what most people know of as lawfare. Now, you're probably like everybody else around the globe. You've been watching closely what's going on in Arizona. A lot of the madness is focused on Maricopa, Arizona, but it's Arizona as a whole. You've been hearing about election officials that said, look, we're not sure that we can certify this election. And you heard threats being levied. Wait a minute. You better certify this election or we're going to sue you. Think about it. Think about if you're an election official and your job is to make sure the elections are run right. And then all of a sudden you say, wait a minute, we're not 100% sure, but your secretary of state threatens you that you better certify this thing or we're going to sue you or we're going to charge you with a crime or whatever it is. It's pretty threatening. I'm going to introduce you to a fellow by the name of Ron Gould. He is the Mojave, and I hope I'm saying that right, County, Arizona, Board of Supervisor Chairman. Hey, Ron, welcome to the program. Did I say that right? Is it actually Mojave? It looks like Mojave. Mojave. 
Mojave. Okay. Generally, the you see it spelled with the J, but apparently they anglicized it once upon a time. There you go. Hey, Ron, let's just kind of start at the simplest part, because I like to make sure that people kind of understand where this is. Before we get into the real complicated stuff, you standing up saying, I don't even know if I can certify this, and it was a shot heard around the world. Let's peel this onion back a bit. First off, will you please explain to people what a board of supervisor is, and then you as a chairman of Mojave County Board of Supervisors, what your role is in this? Counties are run across America by boards of supervisors. They might call them county commissioners, and it's essentially the city council for the county. You've got different responsibilities, um, funding the sheriff's department, the health department, and things like that that actually go over into incorporated city boundaries also. But one of the functions that we are responsible for is to run elections. The, in Arizona, we have 15 counties, and this process is fairly sim similar in most of the states. So we have 15 counties in Arizona. So we have 15 elections in Arizona because each county runs the election inside its own boundaries. Right. The Secretary of State basically just conglomerates these together, and that's how they come up with the state total and who won the statewide elections and things like that. Okay. Tell us about Mojave County, about what size is it, where it is in relation to the state and Phoenix, all that. Give a people of the idea of where you are in Arizona. So uh, Mojave County is the northwestern county in Arizona. So we're uh, bordered by the Colorado River and then California to the west, uh, Utah to the north. And um, we go to about halfway down the state. We're closest we're probably closer to Las Vegas, actually, than we are to Phoenix, which is our state capital. Okay. Um, and about how many people in Mojave County? 250,000. Okay. So it's good, a, a pretty good chunk because if, if, if I understand correctly, 74 or 76% of the population is concentrated in Maricopa County. Is that correct? Of the state? I, it's about right. 70% 70, 70 or so, I would think. Okay. How long? So we've got essentially 7 million people in the state of Arizona. About 6 million of them live in Phoenix and Tucson, and the other million of us live out in the hinterlands. Okay. Tell us about you to begin with. Let's kind of connect with you in your background. Uh, is this your profession? How long have you been a board of supervisor? What did you do before that? Tell us how long you've been in this role. No, actually, I'm an air conditioning contractor is what I've done okay. for a living for 40 years. So I'm a, I'm a small businessman. I was a, a city councilman in Lake Havasu. Uh, about 20 years ago. I did eight years as a state senator um, down in Phoenix and then the, done four years as a county supervisor in Mojave. Okay. Yeah. So you kind of know this election politics stuff and I already know you're cool and can keep your cool. You're an air conditioned man, but you yeah. know this politics stuff. I can work under heat and pressure. There you go. There, there you go. I love that because you've been in it for a while. Now, yeah. when it comes to an election. I want to help people understand. Okay, so let's take Mojave. How many precincts you have in Mojave? About twenty-five. Okay, and you have a you have a a head of a pre of each precinct. Is that is that called a precinct chair in your area? Not really. We have a the parties have county chairman. Okay, and then the the precincts are organized. Um, as they have an election, the election director organizes the, the people that are going to work in that precinct. 
Right. A precinct is basically the people that get the same ballot. Okay, good. Because so, not everybody gets the same ballot. Right. Because you, you just divide you, it up all over the place, right? Yeah, you, you might all have the same choice for president and for governor, but you don't have the same choice for county supervisor, city councilman, school board, dog catcher, all that stuff. So precincts are broken up by who gets the same ballot. Right, because you might have different police departments, school districts, or all stuff within the precinct. Okay. Right. Who is the top cheese at the individual precinct? Let's kind of start right there, just so we understand how a precinct operates. Is there a boss of the precinct when it comes to elections or somebody who's supposed to be responsible for that precinct? Yeah, the the inspector, the, the chief inspector is the person in charge of that precinct. Okay, and is there one per precinct or inspectors over multiple precincts? No, there's just one per precinct. Okay, great. So, so this is how we, how we do it. Okay, that's great. So sure. we have an inspector over a precinct. Would you say that that inspector, when it comes to election, is responsible for making sure in their precinct that there are no hiccups or everything's taken care of, it's fully staffed, it's fully operational, and everything everything's ready to go for election day? Would that be a correct assessment? Yes, but bear in mind, in our county, these are not these individuals only work during the election. They're not part of county staff. Right, right. We, we have an election department that has, has three people in it that are actually paid, and they're, they're paid year-round, and that's their full-time job. And then the rest of those people come together when there is an election. So generally, they're only working once every other year. Right. But for that election, they're the cheese. They're the leader, right? Right. Okay. To a certain, to a certain extent. Yeah. Is it is it safe to say... And I'm going to go from precinct on up. I'm coming up to you. I just want to, I'm trying to break this down for people so they can get it in their head. Sure. And so your precincts, uh, I guess the average size of your precinct might be a little less than 20,000. Would that be correct? People in a precinct? Yeah, it would depend on Lake Havasu City um, has two big precincts that have quite a few people in them. Um, And then the other precincts, you have a lot of rural precincts. Gosh, we've got a couple of precincts that have 25 voters. Okay. Okay. So, so let's take what would be a medium-sized precinct for you in Mojave? Lake Havasu North. Okay. It'd be about how many people? Uh, there's about, that's probably got 20,000 voters. Okay, in it. So we've got a precinct inspector and this precinct inspector has a responsibility, at least in election cycle, election day, to make sure that those 20,000 people Whatever way they decide to vote, and I know they don't control necessarily sending the ballots, but at least on election day, who's going to show up? Just making sure, reconfirming, testing the machines and making sure everything's ready to go. Would that be a correct assessment? Yeah, that would be correct. Great. Another question. When it comes to, and some of these I don't even know myself, and and so that's why I want to spend some time on the education. So let's talk about the run-up to election day, because we've got early voting, but let's just focus on election day to make it easy. The day when people are going to show up in person, would you kind of back time us a little bit? What is the normal process for testing the machines, testing that ballots run right in the machines, and making sure everything's ready to go when the doors open? The, The machines are tested before the primary election, and they're tested and certified at that point. I do not believe they're retested at the general election. Okay, is that so tested they, at the precinct level or some, no, some they're, they're group level? They're tested at the at the county administration building 
where the election department is. Okay, so they're right. not so, in place. So in your place for a board of supervisor, before they're shipped out to the field again to be used at the vote centers or whatever, they're tested at some sort of facility you have, right? Right. Correct. I said that right? Okay, great. Take us through, when you, when you test that machine, what do you do to test that machine's working? That we don't personally test them. The Secretary of State's office comes and runs the test. What do they do? They uh, have a they have ballots that are printed that they know the outcome of. So they'll run their set of test ballots through and then certify that the, the number is the correct number. Okay, great. So the Secretary of State is responsible for testing the machines. They print out ballots. And wherever these machines are held, in your case, your county area, is that correct? Or are they shipped from the big cheese in the state down to the county? Uh, it's a it's an employee of the Secretary of State. The Secretary of State's a politician. They don't. They're not the ones that come down. And no, no, no. I, yeah, I understand. I'm just trying to figure out. Yeah, Sorry. they go around. They'll make a tour around the around the state before the primary election, and they'll test all the machines, and they put out a report. So the machines the reside in your county. They're not being shipped on truck. Okay, that's what I was trying to understand. So we ship them around the county, but they're not shipped down from. They're up from Phoenix. Great. They're Thank you so very much. To Mojave County. Thank you yeah. so very much. And so these testers that work for the Secretary of State, not the Secretary of State doing themselves, they're going to come in pre-armed with ballots, and they already know what all the votes are. And they're going to run that certain number of ballots through those machines and confirm they read correctly. Did I state that right? Yeah, that is correct. About how many ballots do they normally test? You know, I couldn't tell you. I was just thinking about that, too. I could not tell you the number of ballots that they do. Okay. Who prints those ballots? I would assume it's the Secretary of State's office. They bring them with them. Yeah. So would it be Runbeck? Because Runbeck prints all your states. Who who prints those original ballots? I don't know. That's a good question, though. Okay. Because I try to wonder about that because in your precinct. What's different about our county versus Maricopa County is Maricopa County uses what's called vote centers. Right. And in a vote center, they're printing your ballot in the in the poll right we don't do that we do it to a limited extent during early voting for the the small uh precincts right but most we have pre-printed ballots most of the time other than those small the small precincts during early voting okay so in maricopa county you can go and vote anybody you can vote at any polling location in the county do you like that? That's, and that's why they print ballots in the county. Yeah. Do you like that? Pool, which I, I think is a problem. but I think it's a huge problem. Thank you for that. Okay. So in your case, because we can only talk about your case, uh, run back to whoever has the contract, sending out any of your mail-ins, and then uh, you have a stack of allotted ballots that has been pre-printed for your county that arrive to you how does somebody come in an early vote are you do you have ballot on demand machines for that early vote process how do you handle that they do for the smaller precincts but they have pre-printed for the bigger precincts the we put early vote centers in the libraries in the in the four different cities inside the county 
so they're they're pre-printed for the the bigger precincts there but if you were to come in from a, a smaller precinct or the other side of the county right they would print you a ballot so we do have some ballot printing going on but that's not the ballot that's originally tested because the test te- there's not test they're not testing the ballots from the ballot on demand machine no. okay no. and how do you, let me just ask a simple question just dawned on me how do you know let me give you an example if you have 250,000 people how do you actually know how many ballots you need for election day how many people you're going to walk in and how do you keep track of that how do you not have an an excess if you're not printing them but you have yeah, to have supplies on hand they we had one poll in the primary election that ran out of ballots for a period of time so they, the direction, the election director has to make an educated guess on that. And since he guessed wrong on the primary election, he said he was just going to have enough ballots on hand. So if everybody showed up to vote, that they would have a ballot. Right. And I think that's the way to do it. I, it's, I think even though it, it's a little wasteful of taxpayer dollars, I would rather be wasteful on that, on that and make sure that I allow people to vote. to cast Yeah, that make sure you have a ballot. Where does that, if one of your precincts ran short and it's not one of the one with ballot on demand machines, where do they get the ballots? Yeah, it's a good question. I was just thinking about that. Because I'm trying to, who, who the hell shot the ballots? ballots. I yeah. wonder, I have to back up and ask him that. Is, is So did they then print ballots in the poll and make people vote on that? The, we have a handicap voting machine in every poll. You can, it's... It's there for uh, sight impaired voters. So maybe they switched them to an electronic yeah. version of a ballot. I would think that's what I have to ask the election director to confirm that. But I would think that would be the only way because there's no point in him having extra ballots for uh, the Fort Mojave right. precinct that aren't in Fort Mojave precinct. Right. How would they know? That's what I'm saying. Yeah, How would they know? That would be a bad thing anyway, because that means we got we have printed ballots floating around. That's right. That's right. So, okay, great. So now we have uh, your precincts. Remind me again, was it 21 or 25? What'd you say? The Oh, it's about 25. 25. Yeah. Okay. So you've you got 73, <laughs> but they consolidated. Lake Havasu had 20 itself and they consolidated those into, into two precincts. What size do you think a precinct should be limited at? Just for your own personal opinion. I like, so myself personally, when I go into the, the poll that I'd normally voted at when we had uh, the smaller precincts, they knew me. Right. So, and I think that's a good thing. Uh, absolutely. I so think- I would just, I would rather have more precincts than c- huge consolidated, consolidated precincts because I want those folks to know who the heck is this guy. That's right. You know, when they can be designed that we use electronic poll books. So when you sign in, it's electronic. Yeah, that's a, that's just a, a poll pad base. I mean, a, an iPad, basically. Yeah. Sometimes they yeah. have different skin stuff, but it's an iPad. Yeah, we used to use just a paper book like everybody else used. But when they they went to the vote centers in Maricopa, they, they gave everybody electronic poll books. To sign when did you get poll? When did you get poll, electronic poll books? What year? Probably 12. Okay. Okay, good. Yeah, that, also when they started having problems in Maricopa County. Yeah, that was the when they ran the second election. Obama's uh, second term was yeah. when they started them. Got a question for you: If you could limit precincts from your own personal experience, and you just said you had 
something in Havasu that's 20,000, what would you limit a precinct to? Numbers. Gosh, it would probably, you might like three or 4,000 was probably the, the problem. You The smaller, the better. Right. But the problem that you run into is, is getting volunteers to staff the elections. I think we probably wouldn't have that problem anymore now that we've been to 2020 and 2022. I don't know that we had trouble this, getting volunteers this year. Right. So what I think we it, did is we had, uh, um, if you wanted to be a poll watcher, as right. a re- say a Republican Party poll watcher, right. we had you sign up as a poll worker instead. Then you get trained. Right. And it's just a better it's a better way to go. Right. Uh, get much, you in the pool so you can observe what's going on and you know what the rules are, too, because a lot of times the poll watchers won't know what the, the what the rules are. So they'll look, focus on something they think is a problem that's not really a problem. You know, then their attention is diverted onto that and they might miss something else. I've actually said I think precincts should not be over 1,500, 2,000 tops. Is that a ridiculous expectation? As long as you could get the staff to to man them, it wouldn't be a problem. And I, as a as a kid, I remember going and voting in people's garages in my neighborhood with my folks. Where you, know, you have the, the guy that had the clean garage, you know, it, it, it's they're sweeping out their garage, and that was your polling place. Really? And I, I believe it was just for the neighborhood, so that was probably maybe a thousand people at the most. Wow, that's cool. Uh, are you native uh, Arizonan? No, I was born in California. Okay, okay. I, I've never heard of that. That's an that's an interesting thing. Yeah, that was Southern California. That was uh, Garden Grove in Southern okay. California. Uh, another question about your people there. Do you just? I, I know you won't qualify people. I got that, but don't take this term as it sounds. I just can't think of a better term. Do you just take poll workers as they come, meaning you can't really control it, and you might have two to one Republicans over Democrats or two to one Democrats over Republican, or it might be 90% Democrat, 10% Republican. Do you just get what you can take? Is that kind of how it goes? I believe that's, that's how it goes. Um, especially in a County that's as heavily Republican as Mojave County, you'd have a hard time. You have a much smaller pool of Democrats to drop poll workers from, but I believe we've got members of both parties in every poll. Yeah, I but it's not a requirement. Me. It's not a one for yeah. one. I mean, that's not as all. Is there any validity to, okay, you have Republicans, you have Democrats, and you have this big swath called PNDs, party not determined? And I know that means they're not declared, but what does that mean to you when you have those PNDs? Is that just considered uh, independent? Yeah, that's how that's how we consider them. It, it's okay. a non-party. It means they chose no, they chose no party. They okay. can still work in the work in the poll and everything else, just like that. Same rights as everybody else. Okay. They just don't. And in Arizona, we have open primaries, so um, you can, if you're a Republican, you vote the Republican uh, primary, Democrat the Democrat primary, and Libertarian the Libertarian primary. If you're a, a PND or an Independent, you can choose one of those ballots. So at the primary, you can choose a Republican ballot, a Democrat ballot. Uh, or a libertarian ballot. You can't pick and choose. It's not a menu, though. Right. You know, you, you have to choose that party's that party's ballot. Right. So the if you're Democrat, you must vote Democrat primary. If you're right. Republican, you must vote, meaning declared, uh, Republican primary. If you're the PND folks, you get to decide what you want, but you must declare it at that time, and that's the ballot you get. Correct. Yeah. You just you request a ballot of one of one of the three parties. 
In and how long have you been involved in the in, at the precinct or county level in voting? Remind me again, please. Um, I was a been an elected Republican precinct committeeman for about twenty two years. Good. What has been ten years ago? What was your turnout rate? What was a good turnout for a precinct? Uh, we have a pretty high turnout rate. Yeah, I guess it depends on the party. It was like 61 this time amongst Republicans and 40 amongst Democrats. And it kind of hovers around there. Um, well, but, I mean, as a, as a precinct, as a total number, if, 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 if you in one of your precincts, forgetting party lines, what's a good turnout? 50 percent, 60 percent? What's 50 yeah, percent would be a good turnout. You have a lot of people it, um, an off cycle election like this. You have a lot of people. uh that don't vote it. Right. What would have been a, a high turnout 10 years ago in a general? Uh, gosh, I think we had a 70 one time. Okay. Would you be suspicious of precincts if they had 90% turnout and above? Yes, I, I would be very suspicious. Would you be, they? if you look at, there was a report called the MITRE report that was released and it talked about what they deemed to be a sure sign of fraud in elections. And their scales said, when you get to 67 to about 72% turnout, once it starts going up over that 72% turnout, and you definitely get into the 80s, you probably have a fraud problem. And definitely yeah, I, when you get into the 90s, you surely do. Would you agree yeah, with those that, numbers? That would yeah, that would be unusual if you got okay. that to turn out. You just don't, you know, some of us take the right to vote. Uh, it's pretty, it's important to us and others don't take it as importantly. So to get that high of a turnout, um, that would be odd. In your, in your 20 year history there, looking at your precincts, your 25 precincts, have you ever had any hit to 80s and 90s? Well, We've had the real high turnout in those 20 voter precincts. Yes, that's easy. Yeah, but yeah, because they, they pretty much know, you know, that it's three ranch families, you know, that, that are voting there. They, they know each other and they, and they know whether they went to the poll or not. Right. They have no anonymity. And, and it, you know, so right. they, they always have a good turnout on those. So, so generally, if we're looking at the turnout, you kind of you, you throw those out when you're doing right. an average. Right. And what would it, but if you saw, if you take those away that the families, right, we got the Hatfields, McCoys, the Yellowstones and all that, they're going to do it. You can't, you can't hide. Your family's going to hold you to it. But a true precinct that's got five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten thousand. 10,000. If they started to hit the eighties and nineties, would you think? Yeah, that would be unique. Cause you'd be talking to that. I was the Republican party chairman for four years. I would be talking to that, those precinct committeemen for that precinct, asking them, what did they do to run those numbers up? So right. it, would, it would come to your attention. So let me that. ask you a question, just your own personal opinion. If we were to look at Maricopa, 748 precincts, we were look, to look at 2020, and we looked at precincts that were right about 2,000 voters and up, 2,000 voters and up. So we're going to be dealing with um, at least 700 of those 748 precincts. But if those 700 uh, out of those 700 precincts, 
If you had 500 of them and up that were in the 80s and the 90 percent, would that send, send alarm bells off in your yeah, head? I, I'm thinking they're running a ballot harvesting operation in that in that precinct. Okay. Okay, good. So here we come to the 2022. Let me ask you a question. Because I know you have two opinions, or you have three opinions. You have your personal opinion, which if you can express it, that'd be great. You have your county official opinion for your county, and then you have an Arizonian opinion for the state. Were there problems in 2020? Oh, statewide? Statewide. Anywhere, or even Maricopa, were there problems? No, I, yeah, I think they had problems in Maricopa County. Right. And yeah, do you think- half, of their, half of their polls, um, they could not print ba- the, the printed ballots. The machine could not read the printed ballot. Right. And so you're talking 2020 or 2022? Oh, 2020? Yeah. That, that was the 22 problem. They had similar problems in 20, in 20 I believe. What's it, the- it almost looks like a three-cycle a three repeat because they had issues in 18 also. Yes, they did. So as a individual... Are elections broken? Uh, I think we have problems. When you uh, we've created a, a situation in Arizona where there you have multiple points of failure in running your election. Right. So you've got an electronic poll book. Right. You have ballots printed at the poll, and you have uh, electronic tabulation machines. So if you lose any one of those three things, can cause you to not be able to cast your vote. And if the internet goes down, none of those things will work. You can't sign in in the poll book because the poll books are connected to the internet. So that's how they know if you what poll you show up and that you haven't already voted. Right. And then you have the tab the tabulation is a, is I don't I don't think that's internet, but I think it's got a uh, a memory device that they right. they move to their headquarters, the tabulation headquarters. Right. But you have so many points of failure that. You have everything has to go perfectly or you have trouble. Right. Right. And how, how, where would you rate Arizona when it comes to states in running their elections? What on a scale from one to 10, 10 being perfect, one being third world country. Yeah, I would, the, the counties, the outer counties probably get an, get an eight. And I would say Maricopa County gets a five maybe. Okay. 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 Are you alarmed? as both a voter and an election official that something's not seemingly right with our election systems. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm alarmed and my constituents are alarmed also. Okay. What's the worst thing that's ever happened to you in Mojave there of, of things going wrong? Not that you're telling in yourself, but you got to know that things go wrong at different times. What are kind of things you've seen historically? Generally they're human error kind of things. Um, People show up at the wrong poll get directed to the wrong poll. Um, the, they'll insist to vote, so they'll let them vote provisionally. And they shouldn't right. really do that. They should send them to the right poll because that provisional ballot's most likely not going to get counted. That's right. And it, it generally, the stuff that we see is because we don't have, these people don't work the elections as a full-time job. You know, it's an every other year job for them. A lot of them are repeats. Right. So, so there you have uh, they'll rely on their opinion instead of, you know, what the law or the rules are. So it's just human. And, yeah, the voters create these kind of problems also. 
um, had a voter. I only received two complaints this year at my office. Um, one of them, the woman had a mail ballot. She soiled the mail ballot, she spilled coffee on her ballot. So she waited until election day and went to the poll, the polling place that was closest to her house, but that was not in her precinct. And then demands to vote. Um, they took the ballot from her, the, the spoiled ballot, and gave her a new ballot for that pre, for the wrong precinct. And then uh, and then sent her to the other to the correct precinct where she shows up with the wrong ballot. She shouldn't have had the ballot anyway. They should right. have given her the spoiled ballot back. Right. And center and center to the correct place. So it's just it was just a, a comedy of errors. Just human human simple yeah, errors. Part of them were the voters' errors, and part of them were the election staff errors. She so did get her vote cast. She got to cast her vote, and we confirmed to, that she that her vote was cast two days later on the roll. Right. So she did wasn't disenfranchised. She was unhappy. She was very unhappy, but she wasn't disenfranchised. Uh, let's just do a procedure check. I want to make sure I have it right. In in Mojave, one of your places where you got a larger precinct, you've got your ballots, people come in to vote. People are going to hand mark their ballot and they're going to look at it and confirm that, uh, you know, they, it's marked the way they want to mark it. And then they're they're going to walk up to somebody that where there's some sort of scanning device of some sort. In your county, do they put it in themselves or does somebody do it for them? Uh, they were put we put them in a box this year. They went into a ballot box. Yeah, but let's go backwards to you. Did you have scanners at your places? It, we did have scanners in previous years. Okay. And we, so before the law was changed, we did tabulation in the poll. Right. So this, when this, when it goes into the scanning machine, it's uh, accepting the ballot and it's recording it to some sort of memory stick device. Right. And but then that device is Right. Is transferred to the tally center. Right. So how did how did, before if you just dropped it in a box or you just taking that box and shipping it to MTech? How are you doing it in your case? The, the sheriff's deputy takes it to Kingman when the okay. poll closes and okay, then so, they central tabulation. So it's it's tabulated at, at the uh, election headquarters in Kingman. Do you like tabulation being separate from the precinct? Um, I actually liked the tabulation in the poll. The problem was they wouldn't, they won't let us transmit the numbers. Right. So what you had to do before is you took the memory device out, which the, at the time, a thing looked like a VHS tape. Right. And you took that up to Kingman and uh, uh, those, they physically went up and the ballots went up, but they would also transmit too. So they would trans, they, at the end, they'd push close out. It would transmit through the telephone lines to Kingman. Right. They would take the memory device and they would take the the ballots, and then they would take that would go. I'll go up to Kingman with the sheriff's deputy. Personally, I would prefer a Republican and a Democrat and the sheriff's deputy to all be handcuffed together and all get you know wobble over to a car and all go together so they can't get can't get uh, lost along the way. Right. So that was old times and stuff. But at right. that point, you could, you knew a kind of how many votes. Uh, you kind of had a count, and it reported somewhere. And when it shows up, that count better be the same, right? Yeah, it gave them a total count of right. how many how many ballots went through. So you know how many people were given ballots. You know how many people signed in that that got ballots, and you knew how many were run through the tabulation machine. Okay, let me ask you a question. 
has nothing to do with you, your county, or Arizona, the numbers I'm going to give you. If you were in a county, and let's say your county had 775,000 voters, okay? Okay. And that's your universe, and that's how many people voted, 775,000. Okay. Would there be any logical reason in your historical experience that when you look into the books and the data that you actually found out there were 100,000 blank ballots fed into the machines? No, there should be no reason that blank ballots are ever fed in. Correct. So there shouldn't be any blank ballots. And so if I told you there were counties... Well, they should uh, be the remaining blank ballots that weren't cast. No. Nope. No, nope. but that's an interesting question. Would that be a normal procedure for you? You got to run in blank so you can get a count? No, you wouldn't count them. Okay. I don't know if they, if they do if they count the blanks at the tabulation or not. That's a good question. Because there are counties, 775,000 voters. There is not a blank report. They don't keep track of the bank ballots that come back, but for some reason you find in there, the machines did in fact have a hundred thousand blank ballots go through them. I can't think of a logical reason why a machine would have any blank ballots in them. Can you? No, no. And unless the voter got somehow got disgusted between getting his ballot and walking over to the booth. Right. And said, screw you, but okay, great. Let's even take that one out. What are the odds? He might yeah. get in a hassle with a poll worker or something, I guess, but it wouldn't be a hundred thousand out of uh, three quarters of a million. Right. I would think if you got three quarters of a million and you got a hundred thousand people that got pissed off and said, screw you, you got a personnel problem. Yeah, yeah definitely. <laughs> right? Definitely. You got problems. A serious personnel problem. Okay. So those kind of answer my procedural things. And, and one other thing I want to ask you when a machine, when you had scanners, or what you know of, or what you've experienced or seen. I want to make sure I have this right. In a precinct, normally what would have been done in the past is when they're scanned in, uh, there is some sort of acceptance acknowledged, and that ballot is kind of pooped into the lockable can. And that card that goes in it, that's going to go to central tabulation later, just to verify the count, that if something happened with that machine and it wasn't scanning right and it wasn't accepting the ballots, then typically that machine needed to be serviced right away or had a backup or had a replacement. But those ballots historically had been scanned right there at the precinct or the vote center. Is that your understanding of what historically is done? Yeah, that was how we historically did it. Right. And they had a spare machine that right. if, if something went down, they'd haul out the spare machine and run it down. Right. That's my under, that's my understanding, too. And so I'm trying to look at the math of Maricopa. 748 precincts, all of them have their own scanners. They pushed them down to 200 vote centers. Why weren't there backup scanners? But we'll set that aside. Let's look at you in Mojave, because where you hit the airways is you basically said, we need to look closer at this data, these votes, to make sure everything's right. Because, correct me if I'm wrong, do you have some sort of, as a board of supervisor, an elected official, do you have some sort of contract with the state that you sign when you go into that position? Do you actually sign some sort of contract? 
for to run the election? To anything, to be employed, to do whatever. Is there a contract or or rules you agree to adhere by that you sign off on when you take the position? Not other than your oath of office. Okay. And your oath of office, is that so help you God kind of thing on the Bible? Uphold the Constitution. Okay. So you're, you're swearing on God or whatever that you will uphold the Constitution. And part of your roles and duty as a board of supervisor and doing these elections, you're saying we're going to run them by the rules and do them by the rules. Right. Correct. Okay. So for some reason, I guess historically or whatever, you decided, I'm not sure about this 2022. I don't know if you did it 2020, but 2022, something's kind of off. And you've said, we kind of don't know. We got a few questions. Will you take us through that? What you felt, please. That I wanted to get at this. I had uh, an election activist after the 20 election that wanted to take a look at it's called the cast vote role. And the gosh, I forget off the top of my head, I forget the name of the other thing. One is actually the the cast vote role is actually the ballot numbers, right? And, how, and what office or what candidate that ballot was cast for, okay. So and then the other one is the electronic version of that. Right. Ballot scan image. Yeah. And they wanted to look, take, compare the two. Right. And I found out they wouldn't give it up. The election department by law could not give it up without a court order. It has to be sequestered with the ballots for two years. Okay, let me ask you a question. U.S. 52. U.S. 42, 1973 and 1984 call for that sequestration for 22 months, all electric, all paper, all all electronic, all paper, et cetera. Uh, Recodified U.S. 52, uh, 20-701. And that means you got to hold on to these records. Now, the there is not a provision that those are private because we vote already secret ballot, meaning when that ballot is separated from that envelope, it's technically a secret ballot. Is that correct? Right. Yeah. And okay. this, this cast vote role has no tie to the voter. Right. It, there's no connection between the voter and this, and this ballot that we can make. It's just a ran- It's the number of the bat, the ballot. It's not the, right. the number of the voter or, the, or his name. Because I've seen county officials, pardon me, sir, as a county official, but county officials and election officials misrepresenting that that is private and it will pierce uh, voter information or tell you who the voter voted for when in fact it does not because you can't piece it back together because it is a secret ballot. Are they lying and why are they doing that to refuse handing these over? I I do not know why uh, they're interpreting statute that way, but I'd requested it back before the election. Right take a look at the 20 election and then I requested it again at the, at the canvas. Right. That they had been working on my previous request, the County attorney's office. And he says, yeah, that has to be sequestered with the, the ballots for the 22 month period, right. which I, but, makes no sense to me because well, like I, I said, there's no connection. Let me qualify that. It, I don't know if it's two words or one words in its legal sense, but I think the Latin word for that is bullshit. Yeah. <laughs> Would you agree? Eric Toro Kaka. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. And, and 
we're going to challenge that uh, that uh, sequestration. I would think you have to hold if you have to keep them in your possession. That doesn't mean that somebody can take a look can't take a look at them. That's correct. You know that's that correct. two different things. That's but correct. I just don't see why. Uh, what's the reason for secrecy? Right, they're held specifically for the ability to inspect. Yeah, and that doesn't you know twenty-two minutes later. That doesn't really do us any good. We need to we need to know that today. That's right. And so, and, and sometimes state statute, as a former state leg- legislator, state statute gets messed up. They right. do the legislature screws things up from time to time, and they don't notice the conflict until until it gets out into the real world and you're doing things. Right. So it, it may be a mistake, but uh, but. We'll see what we can do if we can get a court order to take a look at it or not and challenge that the law that it's actually sequestered, not uh, right. preserved. It's sequestered for the ability to write of in, inspect. And that was done for law enforcement and other auditing functions to make sure they were there, right, true and accurate. And you could recreate anything you needed to recreate. It wasn't a hidden thing. And people have taken this so far about a privacy issue and they're misapplying it. And I think intentionally misinterpreting it. Okay. Take us through, you said, I got a problem. Take us through that, please. Yeah. So I, I, we went around and around. I said, before we canvass this election, rather than just being a rubber stamp, why don't we take, let's take a look at this. Dictionary check, canvas, give people a definition of canvas, short circuit folks. It means certified. It's real and true, but you give the definition of canvas, please. It's ta- it basically means take a close look. Right. And so you're required. Your duties are to take a close look. Is that correct? Correct. correct. Okay. And that means you need to take a close look at it to say, I'm going to put this canvas stamp on it and blessing. Correct? Correct. And you told everybody, wait a minute, I need to take my closer look. Pick up from there. Yeah. So essentially... I, I said I wanted to take take my closer look. They told me that well that you can't look at this because it's got to be sequestered for for 22 months. And so that and I said the attorney said he uh, the election director was testifying and and that's what he told me. The county attorney that was staff in the meeting agreed because they had been he'd been working on my previous request from about a year ago on that it was sequestered. So they they weren't willing to give that up. Right. I want to just re-ask this. Here you are. You've just run an election. You are required to canvas it, meaning take a close look and certify it with your good name and stamp on it. You say, I need to look at it so I can certify it and put my good name on it. And they said, no, that has to be hidden for 22 months. Correct. That's what I was told. What was that Latin term again for bullshit? (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So you go public with this. Yeah. Well, so what, then I find out that uh, the, the attorney confirms the secretary of state's threat that we'll, we, if we vote no on the canvas, that we will be, uh, have the potential to be charged with a class six felony. Class six felony carries between four months and five and three quarter years in prison. I want to make sure I have this right. You swear an oath to uphold the Constitution. Right. You are specifically also swearing to run these elections exactly to the letter of the law. 
You are the one for your county that is required to canvas, meaning closely inspect and certify it. Mm-hmm. You tell them, I need to closely inspect and certify it. They come back and tell you, you can't, you can't look at it. So when you have questions, you repeat those questions, go public with it. And they say, look, if you keep on asking and doing this stuff and not putting your name on it, which you don't have confidence in, we're going to file a lawsuit and possibly threaten you with jail time. Do I have that correct? That is correct. Have you ever heard of this happening before? No, I have never heard of this happening. I've, the, I've we never have similar, heard of this maneuver. We have another, we, as the county, and this is a tax issue, we take a vote. We'll, we actually, the collector and enforcer for property taxes for various taxing districts, right. fire districts, school districts, and whatnot. We take that authority from them to, to coll- issue the bill collect the money. And if anything, we have to lien your property because you didn't pay, then that's, we do that rather than having the school district do it or the fire district or whatnot. So we have this administrative vote that we have to vote to accept their tax rates, which we, uh, it leaves me with heartburn because they're essentially, they're telling us we have to vote. Yes. I vote no on that all the time, just because I don't think I'm not the one that set the rate. Right. I'm accepting the responsibility. So if you phrase it, do you accept the responsibility for this enforcement? Then I would say yes. But the question they ask is, do you accept this rate? Which can you even answer it? Hell no. I, I don't know. I'm not inside their book, so I don't know. But so it's a little it's similar that they they only want a yes answer out of you. But this was different because they actually were going to uh, levy a felony. If, if we, and I actually asked the attorney twice, if you watch the film of the meeting, I said, so you're telling me if I vote no, then I'm, then I'm violating the law and I might be subject to a class six felony. Yes, supervisor. I believe that's a lie. Yeah, it's got to be, it's it got to be at least a misinterpretation of the law. But you decided, my county's run good, I know it. Y'all backed off. Yeah, for the most part, the three of us, it's a five member board. The three of us that voted to postpone from the previous week because the right. original canvas was scheduled a week before the we you're looking at our county. We know that our election, as far as we can tell, it is is run well. The other problem is if we were to vote no. Then they take the county's voting uh, numbers come out of the statewide count which means that we lose our Republican candidates with that, that on the seats that we did win would then lose. So they kind of hold you hostage. Right. And then it also says that our County elections are null and void and that the new governor would then appoint the six superior court judges that the Mojave County voters just elected their which seats. That, would which be- that governor, governor, new governor is a liberal rat bastard. They're going to report their cronies. Right. Holy smokes, this is like on multiple levels. Yeah, it's clearly a damned if I do, damned if I don't. No, it's not. No, you're being too nice, Ron. You're fucked. Yeah. If you don't. Come on. I could could vote no, and and the way things are going, I don't even know that it was a bluff. You know, I have people say, why didn't you call their bluff? And I go, I told them I don't know that it's a bluff. I got, you got guys rotting in a DC gulag. You know, who knows what the heck might happen. It might go to the Katie Hobbs gulag. I don't know. Well, Ron, I'm going to tell you the truth. 
even sitting here and even before we met, I'm thinking, why in the, because I wouldn't fucking roll over. And I, I have to admit to you, I was judging you on that until this moment you just told me until I realize they can kick out all the people that where you got good, honest serving Republicans in. And then they can kick out where you've worked hard to get good, honest, law-abiding judges in. And then you're going to be left to whoever, you know, the governor or secretary of state is. And you know there's a problem with that. And they're just going to stick their cronies in. You kind of had to do it. You had no choice. Right. And and a lot of people are judging me for that, that I didn't that I didn't let them throw me in jail over it. But it would have been worse if I if I would have voted no, it would have been worse. Uh, Ron. In my admission, I did too. I was judging that because uh, I'm not made like that. I'd fight to no bullet in my head. You already, you may or may not know they already tried to assassinate me, but I survived it. But I'm, I understand the decision you made. You and, know, and sometimes they, in politics, they put you in a position you had no way out without hurting all of the people in your county. Right. I'm, I'm sure there's people that are disappointed in me for not for not voting no and, and challenging it. But had they had we not canvassed, their votes wouldn't have even counted. And I, I think I would rather have them mad at me for uh, their perception of the action that I took than to have their votes disenfranchised. Absolutely. You made the right choice. You made the right choice. And I'm hypercritical of this. Right. I'm, you made the right choice. Now I understand it. You you shared a bomb with us that don't think it's just about I'm actually lying and I got to do it or they're going to throw me in jail. But they have triangulated this so much that there's no remedy because if you stand up and do what's right to look closely to canvas and put your name on it, even if you know something's wrong, they can take your entire county, throw it away, and then insert who the hell they want. Right. They'd essentially seize control of a Republican county uh, by us. We'd be doing it to ourselves. I got a battery going dead. Wow. Uh, Ron, all I can say is God bless you. Uh, I know he's fixing his camera there, so hang on. We'll let him get that fixed. Uh, he might have to uh, pump back in. Let's see here. I had... Uh, Ron, I'm going to let you reset it. Okay. Can you hear me? Yeah. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to boot you from the studio. Just log right back in. That way we'll adjust the picture. Cause, so just okay. log right back in. Here we go. Okay. Folks, holy shit. Did you just hear how deep this goes? You know, I, I put the little rat peeking through the hole. But talk about paying a price. I never even knew the price could be this. Holy smokes. That you have to make a choice. That you know something's wrong. That you've uh, thinking, hey, something's up. But you're, you're trying to do your job right. You're required to certify it. But they actually have you at so many la layers with your back to the wall. It's no longer even about your personal freedom. It's about, man, if I don't do this, they screw every candidate that won and every voter that voted. Right. Because we have enough Republicans. How is that not extortion? Uh, it is extortion. 
you know, and to top that off, if you look at the Cochise County supervisors, by the, you then had a judge come in and uh, order them, said, tell them they shall canvas. And they ended up can't later that day, they went ahead and canvassed, but I'm assuming the judge would have um, put them in contempt of court had they not done what he, what he told them to do. He can't really charge them with the crime, but he can put them in contempt. But the, the reality is you are taking a pledge to the Constitution. You are taking a pledge to make sure it's right. You're taking a pledge to make sure it freaking works. And they're overriding you with or else. Why take the pledge? In fact, why count any freaking ballots? Just have election day. And then a judge says certify it. Yeah, certainly the, the canvas process is worthless. Because if you're going to tell me I shall canvas, then and there, without giving me the information, the ability to get the information and withhold the canvas, if I can't get my information, then the canvas is pointless. Wow. I didn't expect this. I did not expect this. I wanted to find the process. I'm very thorough in my questioning. You can understand yeah, my you, friends. You are thorough. You're very by thorough. About how I do my, my questions and understanding this system. But this is appalling. This this makes me want to vomit. Yeah, we have to change this. This has got to be changed. In closing. There's really no, it just makes the canvas a rubber stamp. Yep, it is. It's useless. Totally useless. Uh, Ron, in closing, three things that you feel you should share with everybody listening. I have a huge amount of Arizona followers, follow my work, but people around the world will hear you. What are the three things you would like to share with them in closing? Yeah, I need to get the people of Arizona to uh, impress upon it their members of the legislature how important it is that we fix this so we actually have a check and balance instead of a rubber stamp. And I can't do this by myself. And it may have to go to a citizen's initiative because I'm not sure that if the, if the legislature were to, the Republican-controlled legislature were to run a bill and, and pass it to fix this, that a uh, Governor Hobbs would sign it in the law. No. You think we can fix this? Uh, we can do anything. I'd go, I agree with that, too. That's the good we answer. Can do, we can do anything. God's on our side. We That's right, Ron. God bless you. I, I was I was wrong in my impression. I'm glad we did this. I'm glad we took the time to excavate this. I'm telling you, you made the right decision. Thank you. And this is broken. And I can tell you were trying to do the right thing. You made a best guess for your people because you stay on top of things, obviously. But this is this is even revealed a bigger issue we have with these rat bastards in the system about just truly how they control this stuff. So, Ron, I just want to say thank you. When people go to Ron uh, uh, Gold Gold dot com, what can they find? How can they communicate with you? Are you open to people reaching out to you? Yeah, that, no, that's fine. They can reach me through through that. It's got a there's a place on the website that um, can leave comments and whatnot. Well, Ron, I appreciate you doing this with me. God bless you, sir. Thank you, Joe. I appreciate thank it. You very thank much. You. Folks, That'll there you go. Great, great, great. Uh, information this is this is massive this is massive i learned so much in that 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 i didn't have idea you can you can understand i i i knew where a lot of these questions are going i was confirming things we learned in forensic audits that i knew were breaks in the system and you were hearing them full times folks you must share this program this is a learning program that people need to hear
Folks, your job as a patriot is to help open people's eyes. You have to get people's eyes open. And if we don't share this information and share how it's broken and go in details, you you learned right there. If you don't know how to ask the questions and you don't ask the right questions, you're not going to get the real answer. And look how ugly this ended up. And I, too. I I'm, honestly, I thought, how could somebody back down on this certification? What a bunch of wimps. But I realized I was wrong. Ron and those people made the right mistake for their people, their voters, their state, and their red district. This is where we all need to get together hand in hand, folks. This is why I say you are the answer to every bit of this. It is you knowing this stuff, you having your eyes open, and you activating and pushing your lawmakers, because if they keep on suppressing it, it's over, folks. We're going to lose it. Share this. I love you all. Take care. Most people are afraid to stand up and speak out, but not you. You've been learning how to tell the system to cut the crap. What can I do to help save the America I love? And the answer is learn how to fight back and tell the system to cut the crap. Cut the crap's not just a radio program. It's a movement. The right kind of movement, which breaks free the conservative constipation and reminds you that you are the majority, and we're just not going to take it anymore. Make sure you're following Joe Bon Hunt and Pulitzer on all social media. See you next week, and between now and then, take a stand and tell them all to cut the crap. We've got all the right in the world on our side. And there ain't no reason to be afraid. And there ain't no reason to not take the challenge dead on. Because I'm going to tell you who we come from, folks. We don't come from some weak, jellyback, spineless people. That's not who we come from. None of us. And it doesn't matter what color you are, what nation your folks hail from, how much money you got. We all share the same name. We are Americans. And at Bunker Hill, there was Americans. And at Fredericksburg and Gettysburg, there was Americans. And at Iwo Jima, raising that flag on Sarabachi, it was Americans. And at Porktop Hill, there was Americans. Quezon, there was Americans. And on 9-11, there was Americans who ran towards those burning buildings. That is who you share your heritage with. You do not share your heritage with a weak and ineffective people who tower at the side of trouble. You share your heritage with a strong and brave people who are determined to hold on to their freedom and for the freedom of future generations. Guys, it's time for us to stand up and be that generation. It's time for us to stand strong and proud to remember who we are, that we are Americans. And as long as we stand as the vanguard of freedom in this nation, freedom will survive. Not only survive, but So guys, it's time to put on a pack. It's time to fix those bayonets. It's time to get ready. We got a fight on our hands. And our fight is not for us, for all those generations that's going to come behind us. Let's save America, folks. We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. 